0: Thank you.
1: Of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. Would you have guessed that I just made that up on the spot? I actually think I'm I'm quoting a theologian, Mark, maybe you know, but I don't know if I got it exactly right. <laughs> but pretty good for me. I mean, Russell, you expected it of <laughs> It's good to see you all here this Sunday after Easter. What a great time that was. Thank you everybody who took part in that and the, good, the Stations of the Cross. It was really great. And if you're watching, welcome. If you're listening to the podcast, welcome. I want to point out that you can always access the program by putting your phone up to this code on the back of the hymnal. So if you want to know what's going on or to follow along. Uh, we have a a uh, special testimony tonight, you know, how we're sort of reclaiming the testimony. So we're lucky tonight to be hearing from Julie Bach. I don't know if she wants to call it a testimony or not, but you know, you can. <laughs> we like the idea of uh, finding a new way to do that, sort of talking about your spiritual practice, not like the old testimonies we were used to in church, where you, you know, you had, you confessed all these horrible, juicy sins and then talked about how you came to God, but more what has been your spiritual practice. Uh, through your life. So we're going to be happy to hear from Julie. Russell is a, I just don't know where he is actually. But uh, Oh, and I have one more announcement. The elder youngsters are going to be having a pizza gathering in two weeks. That's April 20th after church. So put that on your calendar, elder youngsters and parents. This is the House of Mercy and welcome to it. prayer of invocation. God of mercy, though we can't see it quite like we see other things or know it like math, though we might long for it to be simpler or more straightforward or uncomplicated, may we believe somehow nevertheless that you are alive, breathing your merciful breath into our faces waiting for us to take it into our lungs. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Let's share a sign of peace with each other.
2: Would you please put your hands together to give a warm house of mercy. Welcome to our guest artist, Michael Morris. Um,
3: I thought we'd had discussions about Oh, I'm so Lutheran that all clapping in church, unless it's for children doing something at any level or Christ defeating death. Those are the only two things that, that my people will allow applause for in church. Um, I'm pulling one thing up on my screen that I thought I had up real quick before I do this. All right, great. Um, so, filling in for the guest artist slot today, I was thinking to myself, what you know, where am I at with stuff, and because I don't, I don't enjoy singing things that I don't feel like I can mean in the moment, and. Uh, and I, uh, I think that I heard Leonard Cohen explain once that he stopped playing certain songs that he's written, even though they're beloved, because he sometime, somewhere along the way, lost the truth to them in his own um, heart and experience and journey. And um, that makes sense to me. So I want to sing a couple songs that felt like they reflect where I'm at. So, one of these is an older song that I wrote, and one of them is a cover that um, that Leonard Cohen, the songwriter of all songwriters,
0: uh,
3: used to do. So I'm gonna sing you the, the song of mine before I sing the song that's so good that Leonard Cohen thought it was worth covering when he could have sang one of his own.
4: colors and the brushes but I'm questioning my skill. I want to paint this city emerald green and ocean blue. Yeah I want to but I can't without a little help from you. Help me write a song about a subject so brand new I'm getting tired of singing about the pain that I've been through I want to write a song that no one else knows yet is true Yeah, I want to, but I can't without a little help from you a photograph I'm using black and white to catch this city see the moon and stars against this cloudless night I know it has been done before but I want to do it too yeah I want to but I can't without a little help from you a poem about my feelings for you it must flow lyrically and it should be dramatic but still true i want to write a poem that tells me what i should do yeah i want to but i can't without a little help from you Form this clay into something that we can use Like a bowl of plate, a teapot No, I don't care, you can choose I just want to see if my two hands Can take this dirt and make it Into something new Yeah, I want to, but I can't Without a little help from you
3: So, speaking of wanting a little help from you, I'm going to ask any of you who would enjoy doing so to join me in singing this song, to join along on the chorus. The chorus is very, very simple. You'll catch on the first time, I'm sure.
4: I saw Jesus on the cross On a hill called Calvary Do you hate mankind? For what they've done to you He said, talk of love, not hate Things to do, it's getting late I've so little time And I'm only passing through Here's that chorus Passing through Passing through Sometimes happy Sometimes blue Glad that I ran into you Tell the people That you saw me Passing through I saw Adam Leave the garden With an apple in his hand I said, now you're out What are you gonna do? Plant some crops and pray for rain Maybe raise a little cane I'm an orphan now And I'm only passing through Your part passing through, passing through, sometimes happy, sometimes blue. Glad that I ran into you. Tell the people that you saw me passing through. I saw I was with Washington At Valley Forge Shivering in the snow I said, how come the men here suffer Like they do Men will suffer Men will fight Even die for what is right Even though They know that they're only passing through Passing through Passing through Sometimes happy, sometimes blue Glad that I bring Tell the people that you saw me I was at Franklin Roosevelt's side on the night before he died he said one world must come out of World War II Yankee Russian white or tan, he said a man is still a man, we're all On one road And we're only Passing through Passing through Passing through Sometimes happy time, passing through, passing through, sometimes happy, sometimes blue, glad that I ran into you, tell the people that you saw me.
1: I invite you now to join me in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer or petition with God and your mercy and I invite you to respond, hear our prayer. Let's pray. God of mercy, help those people throughout the world who are trying to accomplish something and who are having a hard time, whether from entropy or politics or because systems are so entrenched or even because they just get distracted. It is hard sometimes to change the world or clean the house. Give us life or love or just something to get us started. Give us and those around us in this city and this world the will to do justice. God in your mercy. God of mercy, it would help us to see how delighted you are with creation, how much you love what you made, all of it, how you don't grow tired of it and move on or give up, how you don't shun some and hold up others, how you regard none of it as insignificant. It would help us to see that if you have not quite a plan, then at least some undying, hopeful, loving possibility for all of it. Help us see your love, to know that sort of love, and practice it in our words and deeds. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, help us to have good, life-giving relationships with our friends and partners and parents and children and neighbors, to be willing to struggle, to be uncomfortable if it might help, To not always settle for how it is always settled. Help us ask questions, to be generous and patient and kind, to do something unexpected for each other, to not give up on knowing and being known, to practice resurrection. God, in your mercy, God of mercy, we are not immortal. It is obvious and yet hard to accept. May we embrace our humanness as you do, our fear and frailty, even sickness and even death. But help us believe somehow, in the face of all this, in undying, infinite love. God, in your mercy. Hear us now as we offer our prayers, our confessions, and our gratitude as we pause for extended silence. Thank you, amen.
4: Didn't try, we're off made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long while there are Cheer up my brother Live in the sunshine We'll understand it All by and by When death has come And taken our loved ones It leaves our home so Then do we wander My brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Faithful till death. Tolls of the road will then seem as nothing As we sweep through the beautiful gate Farther along Understand why. Cheer up, my brother.
5: Scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of the Lord.
4: In light of all the sin I've seen my sisters some say my soul can't be clean in spite of all the dirt I've done my brothers I have been saved by the Son, and I'm redeemed.
2: Testify. Oh,
4: I am redeemed. Testify. By the blood of the Nazarene, I am redeemed. Testify. Testify. Oh, I am redeemed. testified by the blood of
5: the Nazarene. You know, it's kind of weird. You, you sit through the whole service and you're like, oh, there's this, and then there's this, and it's, oh my gosh, I really have to do this. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a former teacher of writing I am not a lecturer, I am not a preacher. I'd be a lot more comfortable if I could like, talk for a little bit and then ask you guys to get out some paper and a pen and write for five, and then turn to your neighbor, we're gonna pair and share, and then we'll share with the whole group and have a class discussion. It's kind of the way it (laughs) works. But, um, that's not what we're doing tonight. Um, First of all, I wanna say a huge thank you to the people who've been doing the live stream. Um, I've been watching that, and it's great, and I really appreciate it. And it must get kind of old to do it week after week, but um, who's ever doing it out there, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, So I might not look familiar to a a lot of folks here today. Uh, My church attendance has always been pretty sketchy. Um, Neil asked me about that one time why don't you come to church more often? (laughs) Um, But I was actually in attendance at the very first House of Mercy service in 1996. Um, And of course, I think everybody knows my husband, Scott, because he's been a much more consistent presence at House of Mercy over the years than I've been. Um, So, The reason that I attend even less these days than I used to is because I'm living with a condition called chronic fatigue syndrome, um, or ME-CFS. It's similar to long COVID. It's kind of like long COVID, um, but caused by different viruses. People have been um, getting ME-CFS for a long time before COVID came along. About 70 to 80% of people with ME-CFS can trace the onset of their condition to a particular infection, like I got mono and I never got better. I'm among the 20 to 30% of ME-CFS people um, who I can't trace my illness to a specific infection. Um, I've begun to suspect that it probably started with an infection a long time ago, although I wasn't diagnosed until 2015, and I had to stop working in 2019. Um, <clears throat> this is all gonna lead to spiritual practice, I promise. <laughs> so ME-CFS is not a very well understood illness, um, even though if I'm understanding the research and what I'm reading correctly, there are mentions in the medical literature of post-viral syndromes going <clears throat> all the way back to the influenza pandemic. Of the uh, you know early 1900s, um, evidently there are documented cases of people getting that influenza and then just not ever really getting better um, and suffering a lot of the same kind of symptoms that ME/CFS people suffer. Um, same with polio in the 40s and 50s. So, but despite this long history, research into the causes of ME-CFS has been really, really scant. Um, In a weird way, all the stuff with long COVID might help out us ME-CFS people because a lot more research is going into um, ME-CFS than has ever, or than long COVID, than has ever gone into ME-CFS. So the features of ME-CFS, and again, this will be relevant, The conditions that must exist for a diagnosis are one, extreme fatigue lasting, unrelieved by rest, lasting longer than six months, the kind of fatigue that prevents you from doing your daily activities of living. Second is sleep disturbances or difficulty getting sleep or very unrestful sleep. So I will often wake up in the morning more fatigued than when I went to bed. And the third thing is something called post-exertional malaise, which is a really weird name. What it means is that if someone with ME-CFS exerts themselves, um, something really normal, like doing a little yard work or, or going for, you know, sort of a quick walk or something, they'll end up crashing a day, two, even three days later. So there's this kind of after effect, um, which means that the, the life with ME-CFS can be a lot of I have great days, I crash, I have great days, I crash, so it's this kind of roller coaster. Um, and then there are all kinds of other symptoms that, that are so varied, as varied as there are people. Um, brain fog, sometimes joint pain, low, low thyroid, difficulty regulating body temperature, sensitivity to sound and light, on and on and on. At this time, there's no cure for ME-CFS, um, but, and here's where we start to get to it, it is universally recognized that the one thing that helps is pacing. It is really, really super important for people with ME-CFS to pace their activities and they can manage their condition and actually see improvement. So pacing involves not spending more energy dollars than you know you have. So for example, if a patient is bedbound, and I know people like this, maybe all they attempt in one day is washing their hair. Like that's it, that's their day. Or some people, they might, you know, say, have a 50% reduction in their energy with ME-CFS so they can work 10 hours a week, but they can't do more because then they'll have that crash. For me, I would say my energy level is at about 30, 35, maybe 40% of what it was before I started having ME-CFS symptoms, um, so I don't work anymore. Um, I kind of spend my energy trying to take care of myself and manage our household. Um, Over the, really the past year, I've gotten a lot better at pacing. And one of the things I've noticed is that a really important part of pacing for me is not just how much I do, but how slowly I do it. So I've started to do everything really, really slowly. I walk slowly from my car in the parking lot into the grocery store. (laughs) Um, I go for slow walks around the neighborhood for exercise. I fold my laundry slowly. Before I write or read at my laptop, I I just sort of slowly tidy up my office so my mind doesn't have to think about too many things at once, because brain fog is definitely an issue for me. So, when Debbie and Russell announced that they would spend this liturgical year focusing on the idea of spiritual practice, I started to wonder if the slowness I was adopting for my physical health, like, could that also kind of be a spiritual practice? Um, it, didn't, it didn't actually seem right to me, because how can you call something a spiritual practice that's actually forced on you? Like, that's cheating, right? Um, But I did kind of start looking at slowness through that lens. Was it possible that I could live slowly, do slowness in a way that enhanced my spiritual health, so to speak, as well as my physical health? Um, This is an ongoing question for me. So like what I'm gonna say now is like just one slide. In a long slideshow. Talk to me next week, I'll probably say something entirely different. Um, But here are some discoveries. First off, slow is boring. (laughs) Not what you were expecting me to say, but it is true. Slow is so boring. It's boring to walk slowly into the grocery store. The parking lot at Cub is not that interesting. It's boring to fold laundry slowly. My clothes are not that interesting. I feel like we really are, I mean, I'm noticing more like how trained we are in this society to always go fast. Go fast, go fast, go fast. You know, it's like, that's our default setting. I feel like there's a reason we have a somewhat successful film franchise called Speed and not one called Meander. Second discovery, slow is disappointing. These days I can say, empty the dishwasher in the time it used to take me to empty the dishwasher, wash some pots and pans, take the trash out. Um, The way my body works, the way my mind works, every day it's just so slow. And I face the disappointment every day of accomplishing so much less than I used to. Um, and third, slow makes you last. Not, there's no way around it. That old fable about the tortoise and the hare, not true. There are a lot of very focused hares out there and they do get there first. And in so many ways, All the time in my own mind, or whatever, I just like, I am always bringing up the rear now in ways that I didn't used to. But it's also true that boring is not necessarily a negative state of mind. We tend to think of that way, think of it that way, and like my kids used to, who I think are watching on the live stream. I'm so bored. (laughs) We hate being bored. But in the hours and hours of boredom I've experienced, another image of that state of boredom has come to me. I just get this picture of a horse, a beautiful horse, walking through a gate into a pasture that is so much larger than what that horse had expected. Living with slowness has also led me to conclude that achievement was never the point. When my kids were young and they wanted a lot of something, a lot of cake and ice cream, a lot of time at the playground, I'd quote Mary Poppins at them, which they hated, enough is as good as a feast. Yeah, so now it's my turn to accept the truth of that aphorism. Enough is as good as a feast when it comes to achievement. It's okay to just empty the dishwasher. That's good work for a person whose body is not working right. The point, I think, is not achievement but gratitude. And as far as being last goes... I I sort of had this thought, um, which I did not run by my minister, (laughs) we'll see if you agree, that it's sort of like what Jesus said, or it could be sort of like what Jesus said about turning the other cheek and, uh, you know, giving your coat in addition to your cloak or whichever way that goes. I feel like being last could be an exercise in humility and generosity, just like the coat and the cloak. Because I think what we're supposed to do when we come in last or toward the last is congratulate the ones who are first. We're supposed to cheer them as they cross the finish line ahead of us, whatever that finish line might be. Or maybe we just speak a prayer of safety and a blessing for the driver who just zoomed past us at twice the speed limit. Um, I recognize that none of my thoughts on slowness are new. There has always been, I think, a counterpoint of slowness in the long story of the rush of American capitalism. Thoreau had his Walden Pond Ann Morrow Lindbergh had her gifts from the sea. A few decades ago, I was proofreader for the Utney Reader magazine, when they published an entire issue entitled In Praise of Idleness. And that counterpoint still exists today. There's, I discovered this movement on social media. I'm not super familiar with it because I'm not really on social media, but it's called Slow Maxing. Um, I guess it was coined by a Twitter user and it, a quote somewhere that I read said, it's characterized by taking your time with the little mundane things and seeing how much more you will appreciate life and God's creation. It kind of reminds me of this little decorative sign I have in my office at home. A little more laughter, a little less worry, a little more kindness, a little less hurry. And I do think... I do think slowness is or could be a counterpoint to unbridled capitalism. Um, We speak of a slow economy as if it's a bad thing, but if our economy were fair enough to take care of the needs of all of us, and I recognize that it's not currently, but if it were, could a slow economy be better for the planet? Because the thing about being bored and achieving less and getting there last is that those things typically mean consuming fewer goods and driving fewer miles. Like, I don't go out because I can't. I don't have the energy to go out. Well, all right. That's a few less car trips taken every week. (laughs) Now, obviously there are times in our lives when slowness is not called for. Whole stretches of time, maybe years, when people are depending on us, our patients, our students, our parents, our children, our coworkers, our friends, their needs don't always come at a measured pace. Um, We can find ourselves racing to meet a dozen of them all at once, at those times, we want, we need to be able to move swiftly, like a very focused hare, and be super, super grateful for the ability to do so. And I think we also don't want to be slow in working for justice. Um, I saw an interview with Jon Stewart recently, and he, he said something that I've been thinking for a long time. Yeah, the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice, But it doesn't bend by gravity. We have to work at it. We have to work to make it bend. And I think to love, to help, to feed, to get in good trouble, that sometimes takes speed and quick decisions and just moving. So okay. So my conclusion at this moment in time is that there are upsides and downsides to living slowly. Um, I think slowness can hinder, and slowness can help. What I wonder is if downsides aren't a part of all spiritual practices. And I'm real sketchy on this, so tell me what you think. Is it possible that accepting the downsides is a way for us to actually be more successful at our spiritual practices? Like if we recognize, okay, this isn't always going to be fun. This isn't always going to be easy. Meditation is often going to be boring. Yoga might leave me with sore muscles. Committing to church every week might mean I miss the Vikings. But if we know that ahead of time, like if we've grappled with that, would we be better prepared to put up with the discomfort of spiritual practices and stick with them? I can tell you that it wasn't until I named the boredom and the disappointment and started grieving what I had lost that I could recognize the upsides. That image of a horse entering this beautiful big pasture, that didn't come to me until I had done a lot of weeping over the life I no longer have. That idea of congratulating others who get there before me or praying for speeding drivers, that didn't come to me until I had grappled with all the ways in which I felt like I was coming in last. What I'm hoping to do going forward is deepen this experience of slowness into something that feels more genuinely like a a chosen spiritual practice. Like, when I'm bored, read a poem. Maybe even memorize one. When I have to just drop things off my to-do list because I can't do them, say a prayer of gratitude for what I was able to accomplish. When I'm slowly walking into the grocery store, Look up and notice the clouds, the sun, the birds. I'm quite sure I would not be up here talking about slowness if I weren't living with MECFS. cfs I wouldn't be doing it. But maybe that's the way of spiritual practices. Maybe we're led to them more than we choose them. We adopt the spiritual practices we really need, not the ones we think we should do. And what I know from 27 years of House of Mercy sermons is that that's where the God of Mercy meets us, in our need, in our boredom, in our disappointment, in our coming in last. That's when we find open pasture and gratitude and a feast. When we feel burdened, that's when God grants us rest.